35 says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Well, last week, Tom shared that he and I start our mornings with prayer and meditation. When our schedules allow, we do this together, and if they don't, we do it separately. In the tradition that Tom and I come from, we would call these prayer times quiet times, and they were highly encouraged. Often, they were prescribed equal parts singing, out loud preferred, Bible study, and prayer. And I tried on, on and off um, for many years to do this with varying degrees of success. And truthfully, part of my motivation was superstitious. I was pretty sure that I'd get more of God's love, or at least more of God's favor, the more that I prayed. And I thought somehow if I prayed enough, it would mark me as a spiritual giant because praying was a big deal in my circles. Sometimes someone would say, yeah, I've been having these amazing prayer times. Yeah, they're about three hours. And I would think, yeah, I remember thinking about God in the commercial of my TV show. <laughs> in general, Tom and I have a certain resistance to being told how to do things, what to do. But like many of you, we have found our way into prayer practices that are life-giving and transformational, and we find ourselves returning to these practices day after day after day. We're no longer trying to curry favor with God, and I have no illusions of being a spiritual giant we are simply enjoying our time with God, and we think in the end, it makes us better people. Today, at this time, Tom and I, our practices include gratitude, some sort of spiritual reading that we choose, and some kind of prayer and meditation. Well, we are in the middle of Lent, the six weeks or 40 days, not counting Sundays, prior to Easter. And Lent has a long history of inviting us into concerted prayer practices. And in that vein, our current teaching series is on spiritual practices. But today, rather than talk about practices, we will do what we have done sometimes in the past and what we try to do a few times every year we will engage this morning in three particular practices and we'll follow Tom uh, and my practices that we're currently doing. So I just want to acknowledge um, that in a room this size, some of you will hear what I just said, that we're actually gonna participate in practices this morning and you're already taking a deep breath. You're excited about a contemplative experience and you're saying, oh good, I love when we do this at Sanctuary. Others of you, however, might be saying, shoot, we're going to be doing those weird prayer practices again. I hate it when AD does that. I knew I should have slept in. It's okay. 
hopefully there will be something for everyone. So we're going to do three practices. Our morning's a little shorter because of the different things we added this morning, but we're going to do three practices together. And the first practice that we're going to do is gratitude. So a good friend of mine turned me on to this little book that just says five-minute gratitude journal on it. Um, they work for me. I notice that every year they change the words a little bit. Um, but basically, they're five-minute journals that I like, and I begin my morning by writing or by naming three things. In my case, I write them down in my journal that I'm grateful for. So Desmond Tutu and Dalai Lama in their book of joy named gratitude as a primary component of joy. When I wake up in the morning, I am instantly aware of what's wrong in my life. I'm aware of what's wrong with my, in my family. My family's fine, there's something wrong with my family, but what um, anybody might be dealing with. I'm aware of what's wrong in my friendship circles, in the church, and in the world. It's like a quick, unbidden torrent. And gratitude is my way of stopping that assault. And it's not that those things go away. Of course, they don't go away but they suddenly don't take up the entire screen of my mind. Our psalms are filled with gratitude. Psalm 7, in particular, has the feeling that the psalmist was having a contemplative moment and became overwhelmed by God's creation. So I'm going to read Psalm 7, and I'm reading it from something called the Helena Psalter. It's a particular translation that's worked hard at having inclusive language. Our God, our governor, how exalted is your name in all the world. Out of the mouths of infants and children, your majesty is, a pra is praised above the heavens. You set up a stronghold against your adversaries to quell the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you've set in their courses. What are we that you should be mindful of us? Mere mortals that you should seek us out. You've made us but a little lower than the angels. You adorn us with glory and honor. You give us mastery over the work of your hands. You put all things under our feet, all sheep and oxen, even wild beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever walks in the paths of the sea. O oh God, our governor, how exalted is your name in all the world. If the psalmist were writing in his or her gratitude journal that morning, Maybe they would have written, oh God, I'm so grateful for your creation. I'm so undone by the moon and the stars. I, I can't believe that you've, sought, that you've sought me out. I'm a mere mortal in this cosmic expanse. Look at the beasts and the birds and the fish in the sea. I'm so grateful. Oh God. St. John of the Cross is a Christian mystic who wrote the poem, Saint, or the prayer, um, 
Dark Night of the Soul. And Teresa Avila is a Carmelite nun, and they were contemporaries. And they described their moments of sitting together and the moments they're talking, and they start talking about God, and they become mindful of God's goodness, and they start naming all the things they're grateful for, and they're going back and forth and back and forth, and they describe how before they know it, they're caught up in this moment of union with God, or what we might describe as being overwhelmed by God's spirit. All of us know feelings of connecting to something beyond ourselves, right? The moment where our head knowledge becomes an embodied experience. And maybe even where that embodied experience becomes a transcendent moment. So everybody should have received a gratitude page. And we're gonna take a moment and we're gonna try this out together. So. Um, I'm going to lead us in the process. So you can keep your eyes closed if you want. If you're somebody who wants to write as I'm saying what to do, you can use the back of this and write on it. But if you're somebody who just prefers to kind of be guided a little bit, then you can close your eyes, see what you see what you feel. So I'm going to invite everybody, I'll just run through it once, I'm going to invite you to think about some memory in the past that was good or joyful. It could be from a long time ago, a Christmas when you were five years old. It could be something that happened yesterday, a walk in nature with your dog or friend. It could be anything at all. You're just going to pick a memory. Then I'm going to invite you to remember as many details as you can about your memory, when, who, what, where, sensations. And then I'm gonna ask you to sort of name it, like I felt so alive, or I felt so happy, or it was so meaningful for me that. Um, and then I'm gonna give you a moment to express gratitude. Thank you, God, for any aspect of that memory itself. And then maybe thank you for what this reveals to me about you. God, thank you that you are a God who sees me, that you're a God who knows me, that you're a God who provides for me, whatever it is. Okay, does that all make sense? Everybody ready? Remember, you can write or you can um, close your eyes and just let that happen internally. All right, so we're just going to take a few seconds because hopefully you've already been thinking about it and you're choosing a memory. So please don't stress about the memory. It could be anything at all. In a room this size, there'll always be someone who, because of life circumstance, has a hard time coming up with a happy memory. That's okay. We're going to do our best. Okay, so do most of you have a memory? All right. A joyful memory. Play that memory as much as you can now when it was, if anyone was there, who? What was exactly happening? Okay, where it took place, colors, lights, sounds, feeling. Play the memory in as much detail as you can.
take a few more seconds just noticing any colors, lights, sounds, feelings, details of the memory itself. And then you're just moving on to whatever it is. Gosh, I felt so alive or I felt so happy or whatever your version of that is. I felt fulfilled. Finally, in whatever way is meaningful to you, thank God. And as you're thanking God, note what you notice about God. Like I'm thanking God for snuggling with my daughter on the couch where we, last night when we watched Where Did You Go, Bernadette? It was such a sweet moment, just cuddling with my girls. But I'm thanking God that God knows what's meaningful for me, that God knows me that God is a God who cares about my heart. What are you noticing about God? Amen. Hey, we did a gratitude practice this morning. Let's see if we can get two more in, because I'm running a little late. Last week, eight of us sat in my living room, and we listened to the Gospel of John. It was glorious. It took um, two hours. We ate hummus and pita and pretzels and chocolate. It's not like we needed it to make it through John, but it did help. Um, one of the participants sent me a text the next day saying, I never experienced the Bible in the way I did last night. It was just so real it came to life. I mentioned Teresa of Avila. Um, I'm listening to her autobiography right now. I love it. Um, and she describes how she benefits from spiritual readings. She names it her gateway to union with God. So I'm going to read a passage from the prophets that most of you or some of you might be familiar with, um, usually subtitled The Valley of Dry Bones. I've personalized it just a little bit, and then we're going to, have a bit of silence when we're done, just letting God speak to you about the passage. Does that make sense? All right. The hand of the Lord was on me, and God brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. God led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were dry. God asked me, child of God, can these bones live? 
I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then God said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then God said to me, get, then God said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy child of God and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these dead parts of us that they may live. So I prophesied as God commanded and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then God said to me, child of God, these bones are the people of sanctuary. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We're cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will restore you. Then you, my people, will know that I am your Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. And I will settle in your own land, and then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. Just take a moment and see where you may have dry bones, places that you feel have lost life inside you. See what God might have to say or perhaps experience God's breath. We'll just take a moment of silence. Amen. Honestly, I wish we could spend so much more time on each one of these because it's so good for our soul. Moments of quiet, moments of reflection, moments with God. I'm going to do one more in the few minutes we have left. Tom and I went on a short spiritual retreat with another couple a couple weeks ago. It was divine. 
we began our mornings exactly the way we're doing here. And then each one of us, of the four of us, got an extended time just to share personally. This is what's going on in my life. These are the things that I never really say out loud to anybody, but I'm saying them out loud to you, trusted friends. And then we had an opportunity to receive prayer. And I kind of wish that experience for all of us regularly because it was heavenly. But both mornings, we did a short time of silence. Um, and as Tom said last week, if you are here, he and I approach silence differently. Um, Tom has different liturgies that he is saying and repeating. They mean different things to him. Um, and he's repeating them as he is so inclined during our 15 minutes or however long we use our gong and set our timer for. Um, I just go for silence. Like, I want to move beyond words. I feel like there's so many words in my mind all the time that are like making me absolutely nuts most of the time. So I just want to sort of clear my mind. Mystics call that union with God. Some traditions just follow breath. Others use a repeated uh, mantra or sound. Christian um, silent prayer is called centering prayer and it invites us to use a holy word. I did this for years, like 20 minutes a day. I would just say, Jesus, it's glorious. Um, Tom and I use our time of silence differently, each of us relishing it as a way to connect with God. And we make space for life, what's life-giving for each of us. On our retreat, we shared for a minute how we did our silence. And I loved what one of my dear friends told me. He said, oh, when I do silence, I pretty much always do the same thing. I say to God, I love you. And God says to me, I love you. So it sounds kind of like this. I love you. 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 I thought, oh my gosh, 20 minutes of telling God I love you and hearing God say back to us, I love you. I have another um, friend who I pray with, um, and uh, she says that she prays sometimes when she does silence. She breathes in. She says her breath in is shah and her breath out is loam. Two simple sounds combined make shalom, peace. So for our final um, practice, and we're just going to do this. Can we do two minutes? Can you guys do two minutes? Because the kids' wing will be mad if we do longer, and I need us to do at least that long. So we're going to take two minutes so everybody has the experience of doing it. Nobody has to worry. Um, I will be the official gong and the timekeeper. Um, and you can do it however you want. Sort of like our deadly medley when they sing those songs. You do Tom's version, say some words that are so meaningful and helpful. Or, I love you, I love you. Like, right, we all want to do that. Or follow your breath. We're going to take two minutes to make space for God. Okay, go.
Amen. Thank you. As we transition to communion this morning, I really would love to encourage all of us this Lent season and this season of heightened awareness for all kinds of reasons for all of us to find life-giving practices that bring us peace and joy and, of course, union with God. So please stand as the worship team comes forward. We're going to read Paul's words together this morning as we lead into um, our time of communion. Okay. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, supper, took this cup. Amen. Mm-hmm.